by silverscreenroll.com. I'm Christian Rebus, joined by Jacob Rude. And we honestly could have done this podcast a lot sooner uh, than we're doing it because the Lakers played at 10 a.m. Pacific today. Um, I will admit I did not wake up in time for tip-off. I went to sleep very late uh, on Saturday night, but I was able to watch most of the game and... My main positive takeaway, I guess we'll start there because I think there's a good amount of negative to take away. Uh, <laughs> but the first is the Lakers don't need LeBron James because they have Malik Monk is is what I'm seeing. Could you imagine if uh, they paired LeBron James and Malik Monk somehow this season? Uh, Malik is incredible, man. I cannot thank him enough for making me look like a genius uh because i mean i didn't even expect this um he was on fire against atlanta 33 points eight three-pointers i believe that the eight three-pointers is his season high it was only three points off his career high um what a <laughs> This is a sentence I don't even say tongue-in-cheek. Where would the Lakers be without Malik Monk this year? Yeah, he's he's the only veterans minimum guy I really think they hit on. Yeah, I mean, Stanley Johnson, too. And if you want to throw Austin Reeves into the veterans minimum category, then by all means do so. Uh, but Malik Monk is playing way above his pay grade and for that reason, this will probably be his only season as a Laker. Uh, we joked about it a few weeks ago, I think, talking about the Lakers championship window. It's not just LeBron we're talking about anymore. It's their window with <laughs> LeBron, AD, and uh, Malik Monk. So you, you also, that same episode, you joked. Uh, I think you were joking. But you asked if Malik Monk was the best guard on the roster. And I don't know. We're like more than halfway through the season now, and uh, I think cases can be made. <laughs> Russ's last, I mean, certainly that game on Friday against Charlotte, and I mean, I think he's played pretty good for, I mean, honestly, since he was benched. I, I doubt that's a coincidence, but uh, really since he was benched, Russ has played pretty well. Uh, I don't think he's certainly been any kind of problem. The Lakers have a lot more problems than than Russ currently. So, um, yeah, I was saying that tongue-in-cheek back then. I would still say it's tongue-in-cheek that is Malik Monk the best guard, but that's not to take away from the fact that he has been I – mean, I can't get over how good he's been because, yeah, he's been uh, – he's exactly what you want a guard – playing alongside a big three like that to be. Um, and the fact that he can add some of his own shot creation in there has been huge because the Lakers just basically haven't had a big three all season. So um, he's been huge. Stanley Johnson has been huge. The Lakers were really close 
or are really close to having the starting lineup right uh, on Sunday, and I believe against Philly on uh, whenever Thursday, I believe when that game was. Uh, the starting lineup was Russ, Malik Monk, Stanley Johnson, Anthony Davis, and Avery Bradley. If you just swap Avery Bradley and um, Austin Reeves, that's probably your best lineup right now. Uh, so I would also, just on the topic of minimum guys they hit on, I would say Carmelo is in there too. But, um, yeah, it's it's a weird time with the Lakers right now. I wrote about it uh, after the game. It was – It was Sunday night, actually. Uh, But I don't know what to make of the Lakers right now because, like, if we're looking at it objectively, they are not a good basketball team, Mm -hmm. and they haven't been for most of the season. But after every game, they talk about how they think they're a good basketball team and how if they can only do this and if they can only do that, they'll be a good basketball team. And it's like – it's such an odd dynamic because, I mean, I tweeted out a quote tonight. I, if I was a prepared podcaster, I would have had it pulled up. Uh, but I tweeted out a quote. Uh, Anthony Davis said, quote, we're a good team. No matter what happens in the regular season, get to the playoffs and we're a good team. Are you sure? <laughs> like, it's not. that's not even adding in the fact that, like, are you sure you're going to get to the playoffs? Um are you sure you're a good team? Like the playoffs usually exposes weaknesses more than anything. And the Lakers have a lot of them. So I just don't really know with this team right now. Like um, I do think that there's something of a good team to steal a, a quote from Raj uh, unwritten rules. There's a good, good team in here somewhere. Um, You just have to dig through a lot of stuff and maybe they're able to remake some stuff at the deadline um to to show that good team but man there's just so much like wrong with this team right now like a week ago when we were talking Trevor Reza was like starting every game he hasn't played in like four games like there's so much of that type of stuff with this team where there's just so many guys that they that may not even be NBA players that they rely heavily upon night in and night out. The Lakers are interesting because I agree they're not a good team. Um, but there are a lot of like not good teams in the Western Conference this year. I'm going to use the Clippers as an example of one because the, Glip- the Clippers have been without Paul George and Kawhi Leonard for a minute now. Um, and they're 26 and 26. And... You know, you can chalk that up to better coaching or just a more balanced roster. But I think if you're the Lakers, around this time of the season, you kind of just run out of those excuses because, you know, it's certainly not that every team has lost a player of LeBron James and Anthony Davis's caliber. But there are examples of it throughout the league, and and teams have weathered the storm better than the Lakers have. And it's something we've talked about in the pod at length already, but, I mean, that was part of the reason the Lakers traded for Russell Westbrook is 
for this exact scenario and it just hasn't panned out. So yeah, I I'd say this season, like even within the scope of the injuries has been kind of a failure. Um, and I don't know what they can do at the trade deadline to fix that. Um, I, I think the thing that Lakers fans have been pointing at for the last few months has been AD coming back and fixing a lot of things on defense. And I do want to say that the Lakers are a better team defensively with Anthony Davis and offensively since AD's come back, he's looked sharp, like bubble AD sharp. And maybe that's just, you know, his legs are, more fresh than people have been playing however many games, but at no point, at no point of this season has AD looked this good. So if there, if there is a sliver of hope on the Lakers winning a playoff series, let alone winning the NBA finals, it is because a team has yet to best the LeBron, a healthy LeBron James and Anthony Davis in the playoffs. However, Part of the reason the Lakers were so successful in that 2019-20 run was the defensive versatility and their ability to to get out and run, which would be perfect with Russell Westbrook on the team right now if you could find a way to hide him. The Lakers just decided to go in, in another direction. We're theoretically supposed to see some remnants of that with AD at center since he returned, and I get it's only been like three games back now. Uh, but the fact that the Lakers weren't able to get stops in crunch time against the Hawks on Sunday, even with AD and Stanley and the guys you kind of, with, with the roster as constructed, the guys you want on the floor for the most part down the stretch is worrisome to me because if you're not good on the defensive end and your plan on offense is give LeBron James and Anthony Davis the ball, I think you're a pretty beatable team in the postseason. Yeah, it's – I mean, I don't mean to belabor a point, but Avery Bradley's out there for his defense. And with the game on the line, um, maybe a little bit too far. Late in the game, the Ho- or the, the Hoosiers oh, – the Lakers were <laughs> down, and uh, they – there was some debate over they were whether they were going to foul – and um, it was 25 seconds left. They were down. Well, that's when the foul occurred. It was about 35 seconds, 36 seconds when um, Atlanta got the ball. The Lakers were down four. And Frank Vogel was telling Avery Bradley to put pressure on Trey Young and make him go. And that should, that feels like, I, I don't want to be too harsh here. It feels like like a common sense type of play. And for whatever reason, Avery Bradley interpreted that as wait 10 seconds and foul. And he was immediately subbed out of the game, although it, might, it was probably a an offense for defense sub. But the, AD was very visibly frustrated. Him and Frank Vogel were very visibly angry about it. And it's things like that where they just have too many moments like this. And it's like, um, these are supposed to be the veterans. These are supposed to be Avery Bradley's value to this team is defense. 
and he got cooked by Trey Young. I mean, Trey Young's an all-star. Trey Young cooked him for most of the night, and um, yeah, you're not wrong. That was it was frustrating down the stretch. It was frustrating all game because um, the way the Hawks kind of play and attack the rim is they look for the lob as much as they look for anything else, and they were just tearing apart the Lakers defensively because yeah. they were getting by the guy on the perimeter and uh, whether it was Stanley Johnson, whether it was Anthony Davis, whoever was the quote unquote rim protector um, was left in no man's land because either you go out to Trey young or Lou Williams or whoever it is. And there's a lob there. Or you don't. And those guys make the shot and yeah, it's concerning. I, I know AD and Stanley Johnson are supposed to be your guys and, I think largely those two are not at fault. Um, over the last four games since AD's been back, uh, the team has a 105.4 defensive rating with him on the court, which is, I mean, that's good. Uh, with him off the court, it's 119.6 in equal minutes. So, uh, like, I mean, I, I was saying this at the time, Anthony Davis was not going to fix all the issues the Lakers had. and I mean, we're seeing it play out now. Now, LeBron hasn't been available for all those minutes, but this is kind of not to, again, shamelessly promote, but this is kind of what I was writing about is everything with the Lakers this year is like a yeah, but. Yeah. Like, and it's a lot of it's fair. Like, yeah, they the big three hasn't played together, but, like, they haven't really – figured things out with just two guys and that's what Russ was supposed to be here for. And no matter who the two guys have been, Russ uh, AD or Russ LeBron, they haven't really figured it out. And um, I don't know. It, it, the Lakers, I think are in a really weird position right now because they just went two for two and four on the road trip, lost their last three. They're the word record wise. This is the worst they've been three games under 500. LeBron is nobody really knows what his status is right now. Um, this this feels like a a really really important kind of gut check time for this team because um, they can keep saying yeah once we get healthy we're a good team but you got to do something before then and there isn't a lot this team has done. There's been moments and flashes but um, there's been about as many positive moments because there's been negative moments with this team and it's frustrating watching them because for three quarters they pretty much took it to an Atlanta team that's one of the hottest in the league and then they just completely folded in the fourth quarter yet again a, a reoccurring trend so I just don't really know what to make of this Lakers team at this point because it's a lot of the same things over and over and over again the bad news for the Lakers uh is that their schedule doesn't get much easier from here on out. Uh, and harder. when we, we're going to take a quick break and we'll get into uh, what is looking like will be an extended stretch without LeBron James uh, that will feature some really tough matchups. So that'll be us when we get back. Wednesday and Thursday look like they're going to be the closest thing the Lakers have to a winnable game for, for a little bit. Uh, we got the Portland trailblazers at home. 
uh, on Wednesday. And then the Clippers away, I'm using air quotes you can't see, uh, on Thursday. And I think Clippers, generally speaking, have been a better team than the Lakers this year. But they are undermanned, as as we noted. And the Trailblazers are, God knows what they're doing. Um, not that we are uh, standing on a much higher pedestal at this point. After that, we got the Knicks, uh, February 5th. Which they haven't been the best this season, but they're still a team that fits the mold of a type of team that can give the Lakers the fits because of their physicality. Um, and you have the Bucks, the Bucks on Tuesday, February 8th. Um, not great. And then uh, in the month of February, let's just break it down. The the toughest opponents the Lakers have on their schedule. You got the Bucks at home, the Warriors on the road, the Jazz at home, uh, and those are the big ones. There are a few like we'll, we'll get the Pelicans at the end of February, so that should be a winnable game. And for the most part, February should be like a su- survivable month. But when you're already a few games under 500, you're going to need to steal some games. Uh, And if we're operating the assumption that LeBron James is going to be sidelined for most of these games because of a non-specific knee injury that is just swollen right now, um, then yeah, it's it's not looking great for them, especially if Frank Vogel's plan is to continue to roll out a lackluster starting lineup featuring Avery Bradley. So I was looking for the stat while you were talking Uh, to put a little more simply, the Lakers have 31 games remaining. 20 of them are against teams that are 500 and 500 or better. Uh, You mentioned three of them against the Warriors. Um, I believe two or three of them are against the Suns. I can't remember how many times they've played the Suns yet. So, um, those right there are the top of the top in the uh, Western Conference. That's five or six year games. So, Lakers haven't fared well against teams above 500 this season. Uh, part of what makes the Lakers in a weird spot right now is there's just nobody seems to have any clue what's going on with LeBron. Uh, he looked great against Brooklyn. That was one of the most fun games of the year. Um, that sequence of back-to-back pick six dunks was awesome. Uh, everything looked fine. And then uh, he shows up in uh, Philly and suddenly doesn't play out of nowhere. And uh, they keep getting asked about it and um, nobody knows. And so it's, I mean, it's concerning. Um Frank Vogel said on Sunday that it's just general swelling, which like something causes swelling. (laughs) So um, I don't know, like LeBron had to carry such a load for this team did not, they weren't even like average during that stretch either. Like they were still a below average team and he had to carry such a load for that, that I don't know. Like I'm starting to wonder at this point, how many games we're even going to see of LeBron, AD and Russ together. Um, I think at this point, there's no chance like the, what they had envisioned this roster would be at the beginning of the season will play. 
Kendrick Nunn, it doesn't sound like is close at all to returning. I there's serious concerns if he's even going to play this year at this point, I think. Um, and so like, I just don't really, they, they have to start figuring things out or they're not going to be a playoff team. Um, they're fortunate, as you were saying earlier, that the West stinks. And we've said that a couple times. Um, they're they're very fortunate that the Eastern Conference is the good conference this year. Um, but even like, even if you took it right now, where they're saying just get us to the playoffs and we'll be, um, we'll be good. Like your best case scenario right now is the eight seed and playing the Suns, which are a better version of what they were last year, and that the team last year beat you. I know a lot has changed for the Lakers, but like, I don't think the Lakers want that. And like your next bet is the Warriors in a seven game series with Clayback. Like I know the Lakers are going to have a lot of faith in themselves. And I do think that they would largely fare better in the playoffs, but like you got to get there and you're putting yourself in a really bad position right now. And it just feels like a lot of the Lakers, like I, Russ had a quote about kind of keeping positive energy and I respect that. And I don't expect the Lakers to come out and say, yeah, we're in a really bad spot right now. Like this, we're kind of screwed. I don't expect that, but like, it's just the persistence of them being like, yeah, we're a good team. We'll just figure this out. Just have patience. Like it's the end of January. Like you guys going to have any sense of urgency here? Like something needs to happen. You guys need to go on a run to show, everybody why we should have faith in this team yeah and at at this point of the season matchups matter uh and you have an idea of what type of team you had the last time we heard the lakers say this was last season and i think the optimism within the fan base stemmed from the fact that one they had just won a championship but two if they really wanted to with lebron and ad healthy they had enough returning pieces to where they could still play the style they wanted to play the lakers are not in that position this year they completely overhauled the roster and don't seem to be any closer to figuring out whatever the hell their new style is uh than they did at the beginning of the season i think russ seems to have a better understanding of what he's supposed to do next to LeBron and AD. That's a big check mark on the in-season to-do list. And with that in place, I think personnel decisions in terms of the trade deadline and the post-trade deadline buyout market will, I, I, I think, even moves around the margins with that taken care of, assuming it continues to trend in the right direction. That take that takes care of, care of a lot of things. But then you run into the issue of, okay, well, what does the trade deadline look like? Who is going to be available in the post-trade deadline buyout market? And if you're the Lakers, are you even an attractive destination to the best player available on the market? Because I think the general answer is yes. Players want to play with LeBron James. But if, if you're somebody who's presumably looking to get paid in the off season or at least secure a 
multi-year contract from the Lakers, it's um, I think you're probably more likely to sign with a team that's guaranteed to make the postseason and win a playoff series uh, than with the Lakers, who, as we're recording this, are yikes. There are five games out of the fifth seed. Um, closer to being out of the playoffs than the fifth seed right now. Ugh, that's really, really bad. And, um, <laughs> you know, if you're a Lakers fan, just from a pure, I guess, experience standpoint and, you know, a, a team you'd want them to to prove something before putting all your stock into them or whatever, whatever analogy you want to make, is the Memphis Grizzlies hoping for that three, six matchup and uh, good Lord, five games. That is a gap. Um, Five games with, I I guess I don't know where the Mavericks are, but they're surging right now too. So uh, there's teams going in a positive direction while the Lakers continue to just kind of alternate wins and losses. And that's why I'm like, I, maybe I'm late to the party. That's why I, this weekend, this, kind of road trip is when it's kind of click that like this team really doesn't have it figured out. They just do too many. There's too many things that they screw up repeatedly that like you're in January that you should have this figured out, like the defensive stuff all the time. And it's a lot of like, they just never seem to play with a sense of urgency. And that's something that, Malik Monk said too. Malik Monk is about as honest as you're going to get in an interview or in a post game presser. And he straight up said they, they don't play with inner or with a sense of urgency. They don't play with energy. They don't play with any kind of poise. When they get punched in the mouth, they tend to crumble. Like how many times have we seen a team make a big run on them in the, in the fourth quarter, in the second half and the Lakers don't ever have a rebuttal to that like more often than not it just ends in that team winning so um that's what i mean like i i had faith early in the season that um some of the issues at the beginning of the year would eventually get ironed out but like it's just the same stuff over and over with this team and maybe i mean there is a little bit of just kind of I don't even know if annoyance is the word of seeing this team do the same stuff over and over and then go into the post game and say, we're a good team. And you just said, we're going to figure this out. But when, like, can you show us something? Yeah. And I think, I think the thing that makes it more annoying and I I already kind of touched on this, but it's just that you feel like you're being lied to. There's no reason to believe other than LeBron James and Anthony Davis being on the team, that they're going to be good in the postseason, like with the snap of a finger. And even, like, I totally get having absolute confidence in LeBron and AD because they're so, so, so good. It's just the, the Suns, the Warriors, I'll throw the Jazz in there, and definitely the Grizzlies this year, are just better teams. Like the the highest compliment I can give the Lakers, the 2019-20 Lakers, is that they knew what they were and they were really, really good at it. And that's I I can say the same thing about the Suns, Warriors, Grizzlies, Jazz, and 
to a lesser extent this year, the Nuggets. Um, the Lakers have no idea what they are. And once you run into a team that does know what they're doing, I, it doesn't matter how much talent you have on the roster. I think there's a good chance they get exposed unless God, but it's, it's that unless it's, it's having that unless on January 30th uh, in the trade deadline, like 10 days away, like what, they're they're running out of time to figure stuff out and the amount of certainties on the roster are like very scary in terms of health, in terms of reliability from your role players. Uh, I guess Kent Bazemore is back question mark. Like what are we doing? I wouldn't say back. It was always weird that they just couldn't find anything for him. Right. And that he was banished. So like quickly and like thoroughly. And I, yeah, I mean, he played seven minutes on Sunday. Um, I, I didn't watch the, the Hornets game from what I read and heard. It sounded like he was decent. Um, I don't know. Uh, it's, it, that's kind of the problem though. Like you said, the, unless the, I don't know, like, we don't know what this Lakers roster is like. We know that they play decently at small ball, but even that got exposed pretty badly toward the end of that kind of run. Um, we know that AD is really good with LeBron, but like Russ exists in that somehow, and like he wasn't playing well with them. Like that's what I was saying in the piece was that like. Um, like there's all these little like we've seen Russ in the last week week and a half. He's really good at getting to the rim now, and he's gotten a lot better at finishing. And we've seen LeBron play really good in small ball, and we've seen AD look like bubble AD. Yeah. But we've seen each of those like separate of one another. Like I guess Russ and AD have kind of overlapped, but AD didn't play on Friday against the Hornets, and that's when Russ had his best game of the season. So, like, we've seen each of these things separately from one another, and it's like we don't know what this team is together, and that's what's, like, you were saying being lied to. I was going to say it feels like they're gaslighting us at times sure. that, like, <laughs> they're telling us they're good and, what we're and like, what we're watching isn't real or something. I don't know. So, like, um, I mean, that's the other problem I have, which I think we talked about last week, is that, like, I don't know what they're waiting on to make certain moves. Like, I don't know why DeAndre randomly reappeared in the lineup the other night and then looked atrocious again. Like, I don't know why he is still on this roster. Um, I don't want to rehash that from last week, though. But, like, I don't know what the Lakers are waiting on in that regard. Um, Yeah, I mean, same thing with, like, like we mentioned Trevor Ariza, like to go from not just part of the rotation, but starting to just like not playing is it's, it's really odd, honestly. Like I don't even, it's not like you got phased out of the rotation. Um, He played against Charlotte because they had to, uh, but he played against Miami on January 23rd. And then, in eight days, he's played 14 minutes, and all that was against Charlotte when the Lakers had like seven or eight active guys. It, I don't understand how we do some things. <laughs> like, why did Ariza go from like starter, like 
he was the guy they talked about for yeah weeks and months on end about being the guy that was going to unlock this offense and now he can't even play and yeah that's how i feel it's just like i don't understand what this team is and it's february the trade deadline as you said is in 10 days the all-star break is in two weeks ish i i don't i'm not even sure if it's that long like we're past the midway point of the season and i mean what do we know about this lakers team that, that they're LeBron gonna be is good. really good, and that's about it. LeBron's <laughs> really good, and AD's really good when he's healthy, and Malik Monk is gonna play his way out of LA, and that's about all we got right now. All you need to know is that everything is fine. There is no war in bossing, say. <laughs> <laughs> that's exactly what they tell us every night is like AD's sitting there saying we're still a good team, and Frank Vogel saying, Yeah, we improved the last two games, and uh, I'm really disappointed that we couldn't get the win. And like, it's just like, no, like it, it's almost like I'm angry that we're losing. And at times it doesn't feel like the Lakers are as angry as I am. Like, I want you to be mad like I am. I want you to show up one day and just be angry. And like, I'm still a fan of this team. And like, I still get frustrated with their performances. And it feels like the Lakers are just like, not sharing that level of worry, frustration, annoyance. It'll come out occasionally. I remember the the Minnesota game earlier in the year where AD just kind of went off on the team and the defense and whatnot. But, like, what's changed about the defense since then? We just opened the show talking about how poor the defense has been, and that was two months ago. So, like, I feel like it's just the same stuff over and over and over with this team. I think I finally understand how my high school teachers felt about me. It's just like <laughs> you could be doing so much more, and me just going like, "I'll be fine." Like, don't even worry about it. <laughs> the uh, the difference is, I did turn out okay, and hopefully that's the case uh, for the Lakers. It's not. There, there's a good chance we have a, another bad vibes podcast next week, uh, which is not ideal. Um, just. I guess the hope is it uh, does not come on the heels of uh, the U.S. men's national team losing to Canada because uh, yeah, that was that's just, <laughs> it's been it's been not great. But at least the Rams are uh, in the Super Bowl. We can celebrate that. I tried watching the game, fell asleep at halftime, and uh, <laughs> I woke up to the Rams are going to the Super Bowl, and me half asleep. I was like, all right. <laughs> I think that means you need to sleep through the Super Bowl now. Those are the rules. I'm sorry. Yeah. I listen, I was probably gonna do it anyway. I used to watch <laughs> like four of the commercials, but even the commercials have been pretty mid as of late. So yeah, the commercials I remember stunk last year. I, I don't watch uh a lot of football really anymore. I tuned into the last couple of weeks because everybody has been freaking out about how good the playoffs are. So uh Congrats to Rams fans um, beating the Giants or the Giants. Well, I mean, San Fran team beating. Uh, <laughs> I mean, be- beating the Giants feels great, too. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say beating the Niners uh, is a very fun way to do it. So uh, I'm sure they're all celebrating tonight. They probably forgot about the Lakers game already, which I envy you because that has annoyed me all day. I, I thought I was past the point where I'd be annoyed by lakers games all day but just the the way that one played out and 
the way they reacted afterwards, it just it just struck a chord with me today. Well, we're gonna do it all again next week. Um, maybe a trade will have happened. But I mean, it's getting that time of year where podcast to podcast, there is a good chance that there is a personnel move. Uh, let's just look very quick before we go. We'll record on the sixth. And uh, that is our last podcast before the trade deadline. So it's getting real. And uh, soon we'll have to meet our maker. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, I, uh, you say maybe there'll be a trade by then. Apparently the Lakers aren't going to trade anybody until like the trade deadline. So no, I don't think there'll be a trade by then. Well, uh, then, then pray for us. Uh, we'll, we'll catch you guys next week. <laughs>